Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. I have a special feature here, speaking with an old friend, Timo Bernhard, who recently announced his retirement from full-time motor racing, will now be a brand ambassador for Porsche, a company that he has, boy, I tell you, you want to talk about a mighty fine chauffeur delivering Porsche GT cars and prototypes to Victory Lane, the world's biggest sports car races. Awful lot of those have Timo's name on it. Got to know Timo in the American Le Mans series, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, and just struck up a friendship with him. Just such a warm character. Beyond his talent, beyond just everything that will make him a legend of the sport, as more time goes by and we have more time to add context and appreciation for everything he produced during his career. Just a really fine person, someone who always had time for you, someone who loves speaking about not only modern racing, vintage racing, junior categories, just someone who you knew if you saw Timo, you're going to spend the next 5, 10, 15 minutes, half an hour or more just in the midst of a delightful conversation and just an assassin behind the wheel. So I wanted to get together with Timo, talk about his career. So this isn't a by the numbers, this year driving this car at this time, so much conversation. We do try and wind things back, look at how he was part of a very pioneering class of young drivers, young open wheelers, making that move to sports cars at a very early age. We wander through some of the highlights just that came to mind of his career and got his thoughts on those and also what he's hoping to do now, now that he is stepping away, albeit still rather young, fully intact, both mind and body. Talk about what he's looking forward to in the future here. So if you know Timo, maybe our conversation here will be one you enjoy in particular. So let's get going with our man, Timo Bernhard, looking at a big change in life for him, but one that is well-deserved. All brought to you here by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers on the Marshall Proof Podcast. I don't know, Timo. I, I'm always happy for someone when they have had a long and successful career. And I'm, I'm happy if they want to retire. I must admit that with you and with this news, I can't say that it sat all that well with me. Because I look at you and see Lamar victories, championships, so many things that appear to be in front of you. Uh, if the situation was right with the right opportunity and such, seem like someone who career-wise, if you wanted to, could go for another, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, and just add to this amazing legacy of yours. Tell us about this decision, because like I said, from this side, I don't know if I ever pictured you not driving and winning big races. Well, uh, I don't. I mean, first of all, thank thank you. I mean, that uh, means a lot uh, what you just said um, to me. And uh, I don't know if I have uh, another fifteen years in me on a professional basis um, going around in circles, but uh, for sure, I still feel that I have. I have. Uh, yeah. The ability, the speed, for sure, the experience, and everything to, to still continue running professionally. Um, but it was was just that feeling for um, the new challenges around the corner. 
A and B also, to be honest, like the big programs are not at the moment not just not happening. And for sure, I didn't want to leave Porsche, so I wanted definitely wanted to stay with Porsche. And um, so, so, th so there was, yeah, I've, I felt it a bit for sure after the end of the at the end of the LMP1 uh, Porsche era, and that was for sure the highlight. And with all the successes we had, so and after the two years after. There were many more challenging things happening as well. I mean, the Nordschleife lab for sure on top of that. But on the other side, uh, I also tried uh, twice to go to go for overall victory at Petit Le Mans, uh, which uh, which was a race I definitely wanted to win, and I, and I tried twice. And uh, and also, I mean, a big a big a big point was to um, get my team going and to further, yeah, try try to build it up. Uh, and there was kind of a starting to hit a limit you know to be in in both roads like as team owner slash team boss and also driving in an ultra competitive gt3 series as you know with with all the many manufacturers bop and and, and driver uh, how you say um, categorizations and stuff is a ultra high competition series so i felt that having both roads um kind of slowing down both both sides like the driving and the we're building up the team process. Yeah. I think the two years were were, were important, but uh, kind of had to f take a decision. So that was that was that, that led finally to that decision. Yeah. So it seems like this decision has been one that really, from a opportunity standpoint, with the LMP one program going away. I know you've been able to do obviously some. Maybe I don't know if I want to call them guest appearances but you know select drives here and there growing the the business side for you the team side which you've been doing for a little while now it seems yeah. like this added up to the timing being right have you closed the door altogether though if you got a wonderful call saying timo petit lamar <laughs> let's go win this together or whatever else you know just curious where your mind's at well, you can never say never. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I also I also said that I still still want to take take the helmet out or oh yeah or, or take the helmet uh, uh, out out of the closet for selected race events. So I want I, I still want to do some yeah smaller events in Germany. Um, uh, we have some beautiful rallies or, or some hill climbs, which I I did in the past. I mean, from time to time. Not consistently, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm still I, I cannot uh, stop driving driving race cars. That's for sure because it's it's not only I mean it was a profession for many many years very successfully, but it's it's a passion. So I think I could call myself like a, a true racer. So I live motorsport. It's not only with not only something to pay the bills off. It, it was really like coming from the heart. So I can't stop that. So I will be involved in motorsport for sure with my team, but also doing selected events. But you know, it could still could still be be likely to if some you know if, if something falls falls uh, together, which you know looks promising, that in you know one or two or three years, uh, you know, could be a one-off or something like that. I can I cannot I cannot argue against that. <laughs> Let's look back a bit, Timo. You and I have a shared passion for Formula Fords. Uh, in, in junior open wheel, I mean, when I was fortunate to meet you early in my reporting days, uh, in the mid two thousands in the ALMS, that was a, th a thing that you and I discussed, uh, more than once. Let's talk about young Timo Bernhard, who I'm guessing was looking at a fellow German and Michael Schumacher saying, 
Formula One, world champion. I like that idea. Tell us about the early roots uh, of your racing in showing the world, at least to begin in Formula Fords, that you had a real talent. Was Formula One the only thing you wanted to pursue, or were you happy with where you eventually led with Porsche? Uh, I mean, starting in go-karts, like uh, yeah, most of the young drivers, the, the goal was, in a way, I was dreaming for sure of Formula One. But uh, more importantly, I wanted to, to do uh, racing as a profession. And uh, only already at young days, for whatever reason, I was quite sure that I'm going to, you know, one day going to make that dream come true. Uh, I didn't know how, how it could eventually happen, but I don't know, I always was quite faithful and, and positive that it would would, would lead to uh, one day that I can do that for a living. And um, yeah, then once uh, after the go-karting, which I did with my father all the way through, and we were quite successful with German Junior Championships and fifth in yeah. Junior World Karting Championships. Then, uh, then we, we started Formula Ford, also as a and father-son team, which now I'm very proud of having had this... Uh, this year and this uh, this experience and this success and yeah after I was invited for the Porsche selection which in the beginning I was I didn't I didn't see as a young seventeen slash eighteen year old guy I couldn't see the opportunity I said okay I participate and I try you know maybe I learn something and what you know whatever but I was quite I was not quite sure if if something would pay off for me or if I really want to do that you know running going going away from Formula cars. But in the end, like, yeah, when I got selected and after like a couple of weeks or months, then I realized what opportunities around the corner. And then it was clear that formula racing was over and I really concentrated on that path. And more and more with every year, I understood what Porsche means. You were part of a transformational generation, Timo, of young drivers with solid open wheel experience who transitioned to sports cars, not in your 40s, <laughs> but again, very young. And, you know, you you and a few others, but there was a, a specific period here, late 90s, early 2000s, where we saw this really big shift in where young talent went and sports cars became a viable career path. What do you recall from that transition as whether it's Porsche and, and you know, getting dispatched over here for uh, the white lightning racing team at the Rolex 24. And what was it? 2001, I think might've been your first and, you know, Alex Job and some of these opportunities. What do you remember of that time of being a young guy, probably being surrounded by a bunch of old guys? <laughs> yeah, that was, it was definitely a transition. I think uh, yeah, if, if you look back when I, when I, when I joined Porsche, it was just the end of the, or, it was just at the end of the GT1 program, um, and they were. I think when I signed the contract, there were two factory drivers and two junior drivers. So if you if you compare that to nowadays, it's like I'm. You know, it's it's uh, it's unbelievable to see. You know how how small the Porsche program was back then. It was not a full factory sold at all. It was just like uh, yeah, supported customer teams in the end and the junior team. I mean, at that time the junior team had quite a high. A high standard, or I, I think a high um, emphasis. I mean, people were watching that because there were, yeah, numbers and opportunities were limited. So, if you were sent during my junior days, I was sent over to to do the ALMS races to support white lightning races, uh, white lightning racing, uh, and that was quite 
at that time it was quite a big opportunity and it was kind of a, not only a big chance, but it was, you had the feeling that, uh, that Porsche was regarding myself quite high, that I got this opportunity already to be, to go to, to customer team. I was not a full factory driver yet. And having this opportunity to be the only, how can I say, only guy from Porsche Motorsport, like trying to help the customer team. And that was quite cool. And I learned a lot. And uh, it was, I think also, yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with you that at that time it was starting with young talents, maybe because they, yeah, I don't know, maybe they, they because of lack of opportunities in formula racing or because maybe it got too expensive, probably it was part of that as well, that many drivers shifted their focus as well on sports car racing. Um, and it, it got more and more attractive um, along the way. And especially then, when I got the opportunity for the LMP2, that was finally when I said, "Okay, that's really what I want. Really, what I want to drive these light cars with a lot of downforce, uh, but still having you know the element of sharing the car, like with Roma. I mean, this beautiful era and in a top pro team with with Penske Racing and in cool races. I think that's what sports car really in America always was unique. You're having these cool tracks and these cool events and this very historical, I mean, positive, I mean, I mean, the positive historical races like Sebring, I mean, that was something which I understood very early was, uh, was, was special to do that and, sure. and a great chance. But I think if I may add that, I think, I think, uh, looking back in the, looking back in time, I think probably Stefan Belov was one of the guys who maybe started this yep. change, like yep. going very early. Um, to sports cars and being like, I mean, he was like unbelievable quick, as we all know, but I mean, he won also long races. So he was also, he learned, I think, to, or he understood then, you know, to be also soft to the material and, you know, trying to, to go over the long distance. So I think he started probably that trend also. I believe, I don't know, it's my personal opinion, that probably he started this change as well within Porsche when he came there and did a very, very good job. So this early 2000s era, fascinates me for you timo knowing that you're driving uh, porsche gt cars you know 996 gt3 rs's and all kinds of fun stuff like that having great success you're getting to drive with some other young talent as well granted a little bit older now but you know york bergmeister of course mark lieb i mean this is It'll take a little bit longer, I think. It'll take maybe another five or ten years before folks can look back and really fully appreciate the ridiculous driver lineups that you were a part of, that you helped, you know, to so many victories. Lucas Lure, uh, part of that narrative at well as well. Maybe share some thoughts about some of the, the early teammates that you got to drive with where, again, I believe we're going to look back and say, whew, I don't know if we're going to see that kind of talent stacked in one car again. Well, I have a, quite a good, quite a cool history with uh, with Jörg. We were fighting two years in a row. We were fighting for Carrera Cup Germany um, victories, and in two thousand he managed to win the championship. In two thousand one, uh, we went head to head, and in the end we were tied on on points. But I had two victories more, so I won the championship in two thousand one. And uh, for sure, because we had this rivalry in a way the whole season through, it was a bit of a shock for us that uh, three or four weeks later, after the last round, we got the info that we were going uh, to join 
the same car or going to share the car in Daytona, <laughs> both as Porsche factory drivers. And uh, there was a bit of a shock, but uh, very early, I think straight at the roar, like after one or two days, we understood that, uh, we, you know, we had the same mentality and like sharing the car and it was a pretty good teammate. And, and we won that race in, in class a year later, we won it overall and had three years in a row sharing a car with Jörg in ALMS. And that was a, a beautiful time because uh, not only was he a great teammate, he was, you know, a very, very good driver and I could learn a lot of him. And we were just, we always said we were like a perfect couple in a way that I was sitting all the way forward with my seat. You know, we could slide the seat forward at that time and he was all the way back. So it was <laughs> <laughs> quite easy at driver changes. <laughs> I think back to this time as well, Timo, of you being, you know, in your, your early 20s, where, as you mentioned, you win the Rolex 24 in the GT class uh, in 2002, you win the GT class, you win your class at Le Mans as well in 2002. I mean, already you could pretty much retire and go, all right, it's not going to get a lot better than that. But this coming <laughs> at such an early stage of your career, and then I think at least in the U.S., maybe the the drive and the result that, really propelled you to every everyone knew your name is that crazy overall win in a uh, Kevin Buckler the racers group Porsche at the Rolex 24 in 2003 I'd love if you could share some thoughts about that this was I believe the debut for the new Daytona prototype formula as well uh, where all the cars broke but a GT car winning overall at the Rolex 24. That's just phenomenal. Of all the things you've done, and many of them are impressive, Timo, this one still stands out to me. Like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the first point, I mean, what, what was very positive was the same driver lineup than the year before, the same team. Uh, and then uh, and then we're going, to be honest, we're going yeah, to try to go for another uh, class victory. We did not have uh, an overall victory in our mind. And I think that was a positive thing because we were not uh, yeah, feeling the pressure, you know, to, to, to try and do that. We knew that the Daytona prototypes were new, but we could not imagine that they were having these kind of problems that gave us the opportunity. We tried to do a zero zero percent or zero mistake job. And then I think it was around midnight, um, where we where we started to feel that uh, okay, I think at that time we were probably P three overall. I remember when I had a brief discussion with Europe that okay, you know, if we keep on going like that, maybe we can take the lead at least, you know, and have a, a few laps uh, overall leading laps. And then uh, yeah, I mean okay, and then after the night we were suddenly we were uh, we were leading overall, and I think there was one time when must have been the Multimatic car where David Brabham was running. I think they were quite came quite close at one point <clears throat> but then they had to go again to uh, to do an unscheduled pit stop and then we had again like pro probably half a half a lap lead and at that time the Daytona prototypes were not that much quicker so probably on perfect conditions in the dry maybe like one and a half two seconds and it was just simply not enough difference for them to, to close to close the gap again and we had zero problems zero mistakes and there was one of these Races where you where you feel everything came together, plus you understood how long distance racing works. You know, if you just stay out of the pits and fuel and tires for twenty four hours, which sounds easy, but it's very hard to achieve. But we had one one day like that, and it's very rare and just like zero problems, and we won that race. 
want to move forward a couple years, Timo, on your timeline. You and Jorg obviously had an amazing relationship as a driving combination. I loved this crazy Frenchman that you spent <laughs> many years uh, alongside Romain Dumas. He's, a, he's insane, but the best kind of insane. You guys started off again in, in Porsche GT cars. We'll get to the, the prototype stuff in a moment. Let's talk about you and Romain. Honestly, it's a little bit of a romantic pairing for me in how successful you guys were, but how much fun you guys seem to have, how much of a perfect fit you guys seem to be as teammates. Tell me about this wacky guy you, you did so much with. Well, you're right. I love this guy as well. I mean, still, still today. I mean, we just we just talked about it because when I told him like a couple of weeks ago that uh, you know that I'm going to yeah stop stop professional racing. I'm still going going to do some racing, but not not professionally. And then he was like, uh, he couldn't believe it. He was you could see he was uh, emotionally touched. I mean, he's uh, not only a very fun guy, but he's a very respectful personality, and he has a he's a very very good he has a very good heart and. Uh, just you know, going back in time when we started, he was a completely different character than Jörg, and uh, he was a bit hot, even a bit more hot than, or even a bit hotter than, than now. You know, quite could feel this uh, south, southern French temper. But a very very good racing driver, a very good uh, teammate, and uh, and uh, very quick in qualifying. I remember there was a time during the LMP two days where they in, in LMS where they called us the twins because we had the same seat. Uh, which allowed us to have very quick uh, driver changes. Um, you know, just the same height. Um, obviously, not the same face. I always said I looked a bit better. But yeah, so you're, <laughs> you, you got look, you're fortunate on that side of the relationship. <laughs> but uh, just joke aside, I mean, there was a time where we just, I think the people had their respect because it was a time when whoever you put in the car, it was like, uh, it, did, it didn't matter in a way, you know. He was obviously very strong in quality, probably, better qualities in that side mostly i was doing the race star because he hated that so i knew i had to take that side and i was very consistent and so i think but in the end it was just this combination i think it was just working working so well together and and we saw that i mean we won so much stuff together all the way through which uh still amazes me up to today and it was probably one of the i was one of the funnest areas i had in, in motorsport Let's get to an era of your career, Timo, that I probably love more than anything else. Team Penske, Porsche RS Spider, LMP2s. Holy cow. Talk about what seemed like the perfect combination of driver and team and car. Share some thoughts, if you could, about helping to develop that program as well, right? I mean, when the car first appeared... It wasn't necessarily uh, everything that it could be. 2006, it starts to become extremely good. Obviously, 2007, you've got Acura in there fighting hard. you got Mazda as well. Uh, 2008, I mean, you and Roman in particular, I know you had Pat Long in there uh, for some rounds too, but you and Timo, I'm sorry, you and Roman really seemed to just fit that car and team perfectly share some thoughts about this era definitely i mean i did uh, up to that point i did many gt races um 
I, I won't, yeah, I can say I had a lot of success. So there was a time when I got a bit of impatient and I said, I want to do more. I want to not just only go for class victories. I want to go for, you know, I, I always dreamed of going to Le Mans or, or, or fighting in, in prototype and going for overall victories for the big races. So this LMP2 program came at the right time. And uh, I was very f- happy and fortunate and, you know, showed me I had a lot of trust from Porsche that they, that I was from the beginning on in this program, starting also or helping as well develop it. But in this first full full year, I was um, was having a chance to, to be ta- partnered up with Romain, the number seven Penske car. And I could not imagine how, how big of a step it was for my career, the opportunity, but also to run for a full team uh, like Roger Penske. I mean... I still remember because for me already then he was like, you know, a hero and, 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 and a very unique person and something you, you look up to. But uh, the poster party in 05, I remember that uh, that I think it was Tim Sindrick. He came to my table and said, okay, Roger would pop by in, in a minute and, and would say hello. And I was like, you know, starting to get nervous. And just, <laughs> you know, he came around the corner. He said, hey. Timo, I'm great to meet you. I'm very glad that you're going to run one of my cars. And I, I was like speechless. And I started like, okay, Mr. Penske. And he said, no, 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 call me Roger. We're both racers, right? So, you know, wow. Roger. And I said, I said, well, this is not happening. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> you know? And it was just where I imagine. I mean, this is a different guy of, of all the people I met in motorsport and having as a team boss or like as team owner, this was something completely different. The second thing I still remember, he said, like, he said, yeah, we have to. We have to see how we can beat the Audis, you know, maybe we can, you know, run a bit bit harder, maybe, you know, tackle them a bit. And it was like, I mean, unbelievable. So you could see very early, I, I saw, you know, how, how big of a racer and how, I mean, it was, that was for me like a whole new dimension opening up and the whole era all the way through was, yeah, I mean, it was amazing, unbelievable. And I still, people up to today, I mean, they were asking me about this this era and probably it gets bigger and bigger over the years. Um, it was just a beautiful time in LMS where I think it just a ratio of drivers, teams, um, events, uh, and, and, uh, and just like, like the level of where everybody was operating was just fitting perfectly together. It was a very, very good time, uh, which I, yeah, I'd like, I'd like, yeah, to, to, to see again because it's, uh, this was one of the yeah how can I say one of the big eras of, of, of sports car racing at its best let's share with folks a couple of memories of I don't know maybe a quali lap uh, 2007 2008 beautiful fresh warm Michelins on that RS mm-hmm. Spider at Road America or Mo Sport or Petit Le Mans, something where this amazing car just dancing on the edge of adhesion. What was that like in this car for you, Timo? Having watched it outside, it blew my mind. What, what did it do for you inside? Well, the car was just beautiful, beautifully balanced, and uh, it was a very honest race car. So you always knew what the car needed in a way to, to drive it. And it was always honest in feedback. And this was especially important for, for the style of tracks we were running, uh, back in the days. Um, I can remember most We were, it must've been 08. We had a test during the week. And I remember I was doing that test day because Romain was arriving a bit later and we were trying like higher downforce and lower downforce because most has a, has a long back straight. So then with the higher downforce, um, 
version. Turn one was anyway flat, but also we managed to do turn two flat, and then okay for sure breaking for turn three. Turn four was flat again. Turn five and A and B were for sure yeah you had to break. Then back straight and turn eight was flat again <laughs> until the second to last and last corner. And this is just I mean I could not imagine when they put this when they bolted on this this higher downforce version, which on the clock I think I believe was. Not quicker, and we we went for the lower down for setting because just to be able to pass better in 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 uh, in traffic was a bit more race bit better raceability. But uh, but just I mean to do these two or three laps with new tires with a higher down for setting and to go flat to turn one and turn two this was this blew my mind. I mean, so the car was in terms of downforce was just another level, um, and it was quite light. And okay, the power of, we had quite a bit less power than the. LMP ones at the time, but also the car was lighter, so it was very nimble and very direct and honest feedback and, and, and just, you know, so beautiful to drive. And on the other side, like, we also had to cover, like, uh, street tracks, like St. Pete, I remember, was beautiful, and uh, Long Beach, and the car was very competitive there. So, I mean, the LMP ones at the time, the R10 Audis, they had no chance on these uh, street tr- street tracks compared to us. So you win a couple of championships. This is through 2008. This is considered the American Le Mans series golden era. This couple, two, three years, amazing LMP one versus LMP two, the GT one class GT two, just incredible era. You winning championships, the, the leading edge of Porsche's factory program with Roger Penske 2009. Grand Am Daytona <laughs> prototypes. <laughs> yes. You want to talk about a time to announce your retirement, Timo, buddy? You're about ten years late. I mean, uh, I don't know if I felt worse for anyone than you and, and Roma coming out of, as you said, these uh, this car that's just iconic. Oh my gosh, it's the best. And you want me to drive this? Yes. What was that like for you? <clears throat> um, I mean. It was, I mean, two important parts. First of all, uh, where to continue the, the relationship with Porsche and to be able to drive for, for Roger Penske. It was a good news. Um, I mean, we knew, I, th- I think I did Daytona. I'm pretty sure I did Daytona in 07 with the Daytona prototype before <clears throat> and in 05. So yeah. I had a small taste of DP at that time. And it was, yeah, you couldn't compare it to, to the Spider or to an ALMS uh, car. I mean, which was very low tech compared to that. Uh, also, the driving fund was different, for sure. Um, we started off in Daytona with being very competitive. We just missed the pole, I think, 2000s. I mean, starting front row, leading the race until the 18-hour mark. And then we had a drive chef, which was broken. So, I still, yeah, it still feels tough to or a tough one to swallow because uh, that was pr- I mean, that was the, the closest ever Daytona overall victory I ever came after after having won it in all three. It was uh, not only a real possibility, uh, even though it was six miles to go, just speed wise and and lineup wise and team wise, we had a very good chance. I mean, <clears throat> so that, that was a hard one to take. And like in the next upcoming races, we we got taken away like a gear, so we had they reduced the gearbox from. Um, Six speed to five speed gearbox. I mean, by by rules. So, <clears throat> and then uh, got taken away some some RPM, and the Porsche was on, on the top on the top uh, power range. 
you know, we needed these these uh, these, these top refs to to be able to be competitive against the bigger V8 um, engine. So, long story short, it was a tough season with always changing rules, uh, sometimes race by race. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, in the end, we finished P4 in the standings and with a couple of. Um, Podium finishes, but it was just a tough, tough season, and we never really got it together. But for sure, the rules, yeah, were were making it very hard for us. And well, yeah, that was a year which uh, we did not enjoy that much. And uh, but yeah, we we pushed through, and uh, it was tough for the guys because they were really, I remember, trying to do everything, and, and at least you know getting a race victory. But yeah, we had a couple of podiums, but that was it in the end. <clears throat> Let's wind the clock forward a bit, Timo, and also wind down uh, a little bit as well. So of the many things that I appreciate about your career, it's the duration, how long your career lasted as a factory driver, and the fact that there was no tapering off towards the end. There wasn't the, oh, he, he's an old lion. He's been around, but, you know, the claws aren't as sharp. But we'll keep him around out of respect for the, the oh. duty that he's served. I mean, if we look at you coming into the uh, Audi LMP1 program at Le Mans, obviously uh, part of that helped to advance that, uh, obviously add a win, an overall win uh, in 2010 with the team. Uh, in the the somewhat forgotten R15 TDI chassis, but that wasn't your only highlight, right? We move into the World Endurance Championship era, and you with Porsche in particular, and there's a lot of wins, there's a lot of success, and a beautiful return to the top step of the podium uh, in this amazing 919 hybrid uh, at Le Mans. 2017 as well share some thoughts Timo about the fact that if we go back to your early class win in GT a victory overall with Audi towards the end of your career another overall win with Porsche you stayed at the peak man you stayed at the peak uh, for an incredible amount of time in some of the fiercest sports cars ever made yeah, no, I mean, the Audi times were, um, were in a way uh, impo- important to show, you know, that I can, or let's put it the other way around, I think that the, the Penske LMP2 days, I think I put me on the radar for an LMP1 assault or potentially to go to, to, to jump into an overall winning car in Le Mans. I mean, I think that was, and at that time, the LMS had a very high, uh, not only high level, but people were, were watching it, and so I got a lot of recognition, feedback, and I think that helped me to get this this Audi job where they needed two drivers, and yeah, they knew that that Romami were like yeah a proper team together and glued together, and there were no question marks, and so in '09 we didn't have a very good Le Mans, but it could learn a lot, and then in '10 we had uh, three three races uh, all together with with Audi in the LMP1. And the, the highlight was and a good, very good preparation leading up to Le Mans with 30-hour runs and uh, a race in Spa. And then we went to Le Mans and we were, we were the best Audi. I mean, in the end, the Peugeot, they were quicker, but 
they didn't last, so they had a couple of issues, and in the end we managed again, a bit like 03 in, in Daytona, we just had a zero mistake job. We did the best we could in, in terms of speed and having the right combination of aggressiveness and speed, and we managed to win it, which, going back uh, to 2002, uh, being on the step in in GT on the on the podium, uh, I could see all the the fans. You know they're cheering for you. Uh, that was something special. But I saw that the overall winning guys they went on 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 the stage twenty minutes earlier. You know, and that looking back, you know, um, compared to 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 the GT class. So and I said to myself that this is this is, has to be the ultimate goal to be there in front of these hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, on the overall top top step, mm. and in 2010, I had to remember this day. I had to remember this day back in 2002, where I started to 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 focus on that goal, and uh, it was very emotional. I mean, you know, and, and yeah, it's still having pictures of, of being surrounded by people and, and having the car in front of a podium. I mean, that that's something. And having seen that twice, I mean, after winning it with Audi, it's. Uh, was a unique feeling, but to be able to to do it with Porsche just made everything, brought everything together. It was like it felt like everything came together on that day. I mean, um, a, a son of Germany driving for Germany's most famous sports car mark at the world's most famous motor racing event in probably the fastest, highest technology prototype ever made. That's one of those drop the microphone moments, Timo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, good yes. lord. Yes. No, and this uh, it, it felt like that. I mean, and I still remember. Yeah. I mean, and now, like, because in motorsport, you always look to the next, you know, adventure to the next, uh, to, to the next race, to the next one, always forward, always forward. Now having a bit of time and I'm just like scratching on top of, of all these small moments and these big moments and these, these, you know, nice memories going back where people now, you know, just having, having put out the news that people writing me nice messages or just remember me or ask me a few questions and you go back in time. I mean, it's unbelievable this feeling. I mean, that, you know, all these work and, and you know, also, I mean, family, I mean, they're for sure at, uh, yeah. They had to a lot of times uh, I was missing it, uh, you know, at anniversaries or whatever, you know, just and the, these these things pay, paid off, you know. I mean, having you know this memory uh, of of being on the top step and having won that with Porsche. I mean, that's yeah, something yeah, which is the top. And I think that just what you said uh, previously. I mean, I, and I never wanted to be a driver. I always said, okay, around the forty mark, maybe you know, think about it. But up to the forty mark, go go flat out. Um, but I never wanted to be a driver just being around for the name and, and, and having, having the feeling maybe that people, you know, appreciate what you did in the past, but maybe not anymore what you, what you do in, in the present. So maybe this also is a, is, is a way where I said, okay, you know, try, try to go when people say, okay, but you know, the guy's quick and wow, man, when he was on track, it was, you know, professional and proper and focused and, and not just like trying to, you know, maybe don't see the downhill coming, you know, so, yeah. Well, I can tell you that I will miss seeing you in at least North American race car paddocks uh, as regularly as I would hope. You've always been one of the nicest people 
No, that doesn't has nothing to do with racing, but just warm, big smile, lots of positive energy. Just really, really always looked forward to seeing you. And then you climb in the car and do ridiculous things. You kind of can't <laughs> ask for anything else. So, uh, again, I know I have mixed feelings about uh, your retirement just because I've enjoyed knowing you and, and having you and wherever I might be seeing you is always just a delight. So nothing but uh, respect Thank for you, you and a congratulations for an amazing career. And hopefully, I don't know that Dumas, that Roman Dumas guy comes up with fun stuff at Pike's peak and who, who knows, maybe he can drag you along for some of those silly things over here too. And you can get to yeah. write some more chapters. <laughs> No, I mean, thank, thank you very much for your words. And I'm sure we'll see each other many, many more times. And there's always a, a second part of a career. And yeah, might be or might be on the other side of the pit bull. But uh, no, I'm definitely going to stay stay in motorsport. And I'm looking forward to, you know, in the future, be, be also around in American racing. Because uh, yeah, I love that. And, and, and I always not only had fun, but it, it was very American racing was always good to me. And I still have, I mean, Around this last one or two weeks, I got very nice messages from, from fans all around the world and many, many from American fans. And this is what I appreciate. It's really when you feel it, uh, you know, people actually watch what you do and they follow, and that's a cool feeling. <laughs>